We now know that 40% of all cases of dementia can be avoided through healthy lifestyle choices. Well, that means you have a lot more control over your cognitive destiny than you may have realized. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, caregiver support group leader, author of two books on caregiving, and a frequent presenter at caregiver conferences and webinars. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support, and maybe a laugh or two. We all know laughter is the best medicine. You know, I frequently remind people that Alzheimer's and dementia is not just a memory problem. It's a devastating long-term brain disease. And the more we know about the brain, the better off we're going to be in dealing with these catastrophic illnesses. And that brings us to today's guest, a founder and president and board chair of the Women's Brain Health Initiative, the global foundation raising money for research and education to combat women's aging brain disorders. Among her many awards, has been, she has been named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women, top 10 high-achieving women in award for social impact, a Paul Harris Fellow Award, a recipient of the Kurt and Edith Rothschild Humanitarian Award, and the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal for Outstanding Leadership. I am very pleased to welcome Lynn Poslins. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Bobby, for inviting me. <laughs> well, when, when I became aware of the work that you do, I knew that you would have much to share with us and with our listeners and about women's brain health. And when I went to look on your website, the first thing I saw was a page that said in big, bold letters, 70% of Alzheimer's sufferers are women. So we would love to talk with you about the work that you're doing, um, how it came about, and what is the difference between women's brain health and maybe men's brain health? Well, this is something that I became passionate about uh, almost 15 years ago now, when I discovered that women... Uh, were more likely than men to succumb to, to diseases like Alzheimer's, and Alzheimer's is the biggest cause of dementia, but that research still focused on men. And there are a few reasons for why historically that happens, and it happens in different uh, fields of study, but I was focused mostly on the brain here. Um, part of the reason that men historically have been studied and not women has to do with the hormone cycle. Um, women uh, need to discount for the hormone cycle in order to get a, a reading um, and so that hormones don't interfere. So it's expensive to study female versus male because the hormones, for instance, in the female rat uh, mean that in order to discount it, you might need three times the number of rats to study hmm. female as male. So because it's expensive, the scientists are saying, look, I can study male and apply it to female. But just because we're more complex doesn't mean you discount us. I also understand we're very aggressive when we're caged. So, you know, <laughs> <That's yeah. for laughs> so um, this didn't sit well with me. I was at the stage then where, you know, I didn't have grandchildren, but I was afraid that when I did have them, what if I didn't recognize them? Like that bothered me. Um, there is no dementia in my immediate family. You know, heart and stroke tends to get us, but 
I wanted to understand why women were more susceptible. As you mentioned, almost 70% of Alzheimer's sufferers are women, but that research was focused on men. So I started to fundraise against that and said, you know what? Let's make sure that the scientists have the money so that they can study female as well as male and understand where the differences are and what those differences are and what we can do for a healthier outcome for both men and women. And that's when Women's Brain Health Initiative started. And we fund the female side of the research, and I'll explain in a bit what that looks like. But we also educate people, the general public, about what they can do to protect their cognitive health as we get older. Now, you mentioned the fact that um, Alzheimer's or dementia doesn't seem to run in your family. Um, and But we, we now know that doesn't necessarily mean that you're protected from it. Um, most Alzheimer's cases are not inherited. Um, we don't know if it's environmental or, or what it is, but I'm sure that's something that we're going to be talking about. What we really want to know is what you're discovering and what you're finding and how we can help people avoid this. And is there any indication that making changes when you've got to early onset makes a difference in the progression? So yes, what you said is very true. The majority of Alzheimer's cases are not because of a genetic predisposition. We now know that 40% of all cases of dementia can be avoided through healthy lifestyle choices. Well, that means you have a lot more control over your cognitive destiny than you may have realized. The science is proving that there are certain choices that we make, and the earlier in life you make these healthy choices, the stronger the protective effect will be. These choices either increase our risk or decrease our risk for cognitive decline down the road. So what are the things that reduce risk? There's six, what I call the six pillars of brain health. So the first one is mental stimulation. You have to exercise your brain like it's a muscle. That is all about new learning. This is important because learning new things, and the more complex, the better, develops new neural pathways. So as one part of your brain starts to decline, other parts can take over. Now, yes, learning a musical instrument, learning a new language, uh, these things are more complex and so add additional value. But it can be simple things too. If you're right-handed, brush your teeth with your left hand. Drive a different way to work every day. So it can be simple, but the more complex, the better. So mental stimulation, ongoing learning, very important. The second is exercise, okay? Physical activity actually increases the blood flow and oxygen into the brain. And there is one area of the brain where exercise actually allows new neural brain cells to be developed. And that's in the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain important for learning and memory. So you have to move your body. <laughs> Again, a variety of exercise is what's the most beneficial. There's aerobic, there's stretching, there's balance, there's resistance training. The more you move your body, the stronger the protective effect will be on your brain. So you've got mental stimulation and physical stimulation. Nutrition. We now know things like sugar and salt, 
cross the blood-brain barrier and put holes in your brain. What you eat is very important for either increasing or decreasing your risk for cognitive decline. There's something called the mind diet, and that is proven to be the most beneficial, even if you have mild cognitive impairment, which is a precursor to uh, dementia. It is proven to be effective in slowing down the decline. The mind diet is a combination of the Mediterranean style diet, fruits, vegetables, olive oil, nuts, lean protein, combined with the DASH diet, which is low sodium to control hypertension. So the mind diet uh, has proven to be the most effective. Even if you've had a stroke, it also proves to be effective. But there's things that are easier to follow in the mind diet than the Mediterranean diet. No, I frequently tell people what's good for your heart is good for your brain. Um, And it sounds like the mind diet ties into that. It does. And you're right. The healthier the heart, the healthier your brain, because there's a connection between the heart and the brain. But the mind diet, as I said, is easier to follow than the Mediterranean style diet. It does allow a cheat day. It does allow for dark chocolate, which is good for your brain. It allows for a glass of red wine a day. Not the bottle, not the bottle, a glass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also good for your brain health. And coffee for women, coffee, caffeinated coffee, up to three cups a day. Uh, Also good for your brain health. So nutrition. Yeah, I'm a tea drinker. (laughs) Tea is also very good. Contains lots of antioxidants. Um, And then there's three other areas of brain uh, that are important for brain health. Stress reduction. Chronic levels of stress have proven to age all of your cells, including your brain cells. Um, So you want to do what you can to keep your stress in check. It might be yoga. Mindfulness meditation has proven to be beneficial. Uh, Reading, listening to music, whatever stresses you, very important. Social engagement. You have to stay socially connected. It's very important to reduce isolation and depression. Again, precursors to diseases like Alzheimer's and sleep. One of the the, um, presentations that I do is called find the yes to reduce the stress because one of the most difficult thing for caregivers when it comes to deal with Alzheimer's is not understanding the Alzheimer's behavior and how to respond to it in a way that doesn't increase aggression and stress. Um, and we know that stress kills. We, you know, we've, we've heard that over and over again. So um, absolutely, stress is a big factor in brain health. And I understand that stress itself changes the brain. It does. It, uh, like I said, it prematurely ages your brain. And as you mentioned, a lot, a lot of times caregivers succumb to dementia themselves because they don't look after themselves. Um, Unfortunately, caregivers tend to put themselves last. And if they don't look after their own health, including their brain health, they put themselves at risk for all kinds of uh, conditions down the road. Absolutely. Uh, And during my caregiving years, um, I was having migraines, I was having panic attacks, my hair was falling out. And interestingly enough, about two years afterwards, I saw a nephew that, you know, lives out far away. I don't see him very often. And he looked at me and he said, Aunt Bobby, you got younger. Because, you know, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't know then what I know now. So it's so important that we have conversations like this with people like you that that stress that importance 
Yes, it is definitely a risk factor for, as I mentioned, all kinds of things, including uh, dementia. So caregivers need to look after themselves, 100%. It's very difficult to do. It's easier said than done, uh, but a, a very important lesson for everybody. Now that you're doing this and you're getting the word out, are doctors listening? Well, they're starting to, and the scientists are as well. Uh, since uh, we started down this path, we now have, and I mentioned we fund uh, the female side of the story. We now have the world's first research chair in women's brain health and aging. It was awarded to Dr. Jillian Einstein at the University of Toronto. And yes, she says she is a descendant of Albert Einstein. So, you know, who wouldn't want an Einstein looking after their brain? Um, and, And Jill is studying hormones again and what the impact of hormones are on the brain, uh, Women have estrogen, but as they go through menopause, they lose the protective effect of estrogen on their brain. Men continue to convert testosterone into estrogen, um, which is neuroprotective. So that could be a reason why, um, you know, women are more affected than men. We do know now that if a woman has a hysterectomy and double oophorectomy, where both their ovaries are taken out, before natural menopause, it increases the onset of dementia by up to 240%. Yeah, it's huge. And this is, you know how you're talking about the heart and the brain connection? Well, there's obviously a connection between, you know, the hormones uh, and uh, brain health as well because uh, of statistics like I just mentioned. And that doesn't mean that if you have ovarian cancer, you shouldn't take your ovaries out. Of course you should. But you need to understand what the other risks are by doing that so you can do what it takes to shore up, you know, your, your brain health. Could you repeat that, that statistic? Yes. If you have a hysterectomy, if you have your uterus out and both your ovaries out prior to natural menopause, okay, so say you're in your 40s, it can increase the onset of dementia by over 200%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So then it would be even more important to follow this mind diet and get that exercise and everything that you need to do. Correct. Now, I had mentioned earlier there are things that uh, increase risk, uh, which I want to mention as well. Yes, please do. And it is things like untreated diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, smoking, no level of smoking is good, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) excessive drinking, sedentary lifestyle, untreated depression. These things all increase your risk for cognitive decline down the road. Now, your studies have to do with Alzheimer's, but I would imagine since there's many similarities between Alzheimer's and the other dementias, that this would be true for them as well. Yes, in terms of increased risk. Correct. Now, you mentioned keeping your mind sharp. I was at a workshop or a seminar a few years ago about preventing and and treating dementias. And um, I remember the speaker saying, well, if you're used to doing crossword puzzles and Sudoku's, it's not going to help you because your brain already knows how to do that. Now, I'm an avid crossword puzzle. I I do crossword puzzles every single day, and I'm also an avid reader. I start every day, and I end every day reading. And um, I thought, well, I can understand that I I know how to figure out, you know, what the clues might mean and, and correlate that to the word. But it's different every time. So I was thinking, well, maybe it maybe it is helpful on some level. And I also heard that People who read novels 
have a way of thinking that, you know, you, you read the word, you process the word, you picture what's going on in your mind. So it engages various portions of your brain. Um, so I like to think I'm, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> uh, well, you would be, you and your family would probably be the best judge of that, but uh, yes, it is. It is more about new learning uh, that develops these new neural pathways. And as I mentioned, the more complex, the better. Um, dancing is fantastic uh, because you have to understand the moves. You have to coordinate various parts of your body, oftentimes to music. Um, it's very complex and very good for your brain. So learn how to tango dance. You know, um, that's one of the, the hardest dances to learn. Uh, but it is all about new learning doing a Sudoku and uh, uh, puzzles of all kinds are good, but it is all about new learning. Okay. What do you think is the best way we can convince women who aren't aware of this, that these are the things that they need to start doing? Um, what kind of education can we put out there and encourage them to do this? And at what point is it too late? I've already done so much damage what's going to happen is going to happen. Well, I think people need to take more control over their cognitive destiny, maybe than they, they realize. And as you mentioned, the earlier you engage in these healthy choices, the stronger the protective effect will be. I, 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 I think you're never too young and you're never too old. And I'll, and I'll tell you why I say you're never too young. You know, diseases like Alzheimer's are really midlife diseases whose symptoms show up in old age because we, we know the symptoms occur about 20 to 25 years past the time the damage has started. So that's part of the challenge, right? And maybe why the drugs aren't working because, you know, they slow down the symptoms, but it's certainly not a cure because we're maybe not intervening early enough in the process because why would you take a drug if you, you know, have, are showing no signs? So... There was a study done where they looked at neuroimaging of the brain of, of people in their 70s and 80s, and they, they went and, and took a look at the decade where exercise had the biggest positive impact on your brain health in your, when you're in your 70s and your 80s, and it was when you're in your 20s. Well, what 20-year-old thinks about the exercise they may or may not be doing and thinking, oh, well, this is going to help me when I'm in my 70s and my 80s? You know, that's the last thing they're thinking about. That's why I say the earlier, the better, um, even if you're not thinking about it. So you say, how do you encourage people? You know, we, we want to get rid of that image that someone with dementia is this old person in a wheelchair. That tends to be a late stage person. So we got to encourage people and educate people and communicate to people and make them aware that there's things that they can do and there's things they can do now. And there's things women can do in the home. They tend to be the homemakers still, they tend to be looking after the family. So what they do definitely influences the family. What they prepare for the meal influences how the family eats very often, not a hundred percent of the time, but very often, you know, so are we, you know, skipping the healthy fruits and vegetables because they're more complicated and it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be fresh, frozen or good too. They still have lots of nutrients because they tend to be frozen at the peak time. Um, so it, it, this can be for, any socioeconomic um, uh, group, they have to start thinking about what they're doing and the younger, the better. In terms of the older, the better, you, it, I wouldn't say the older, the better, but I would still say that no matter how old you are, you want your body and your brain to go at the same time. And if there are things you know you can do to help, why wouldn't you do it? 
And we are seeing um, early onset dementia starting in the 40s. So that means that early exercise and early diet concern must happen throughout the lifetime. And there has to be a change in thinking, especially in people who are approaching my age group. When my parents were raising us, their concern was getting something on the table. There wasn't as many healthy choices. When I was a little girl in kindergarten, I was so skinny that they sent me to the nurse's office and gave me one of those little half pints of milk and a graham cracker to make sure I got some nutrition that day. And it wasn't because I was starving. I was a naturally small child. But because of the concept at that time, you know, there had been food shortages and rationing and that kind of thing, we have to make sure that these kids get fed. But we were also so much more physically active. Today's kids, in, you know, my grandchildren, they're, they're healthy and, they're, and their parents, you know, make sure that they get fruits and vegetables with every meal and, you know, sign them up for sports. They're on their way, but we, t- we do tend to be more sedentary at every age, and we also have so many snacks and fast foods available to us um, that it's become harder, and we have to put more effort into it, Absolutely. And COVID's made it worse, right? Because people, even though they, you know, felt motive, like felt that they should be exercising more, they don't. They didn't. Right. Um, there's been all kinds of problems in terms of poor diet, lack of exercise, isolation. It, it just exacerbated the problem. I think for many people, all age groups. So one of the things I always at, like to ask as we're you know getting close to wrapping up a session like this. If you can give one or two most important lessons or ideas for our listeners to go to leave us with today when it comes to brain health and women's brain health and um, how we can protect ourselves and our family members. I think one is be aware there's more you can do than you may have realized that dementia is not inevitable. Exceptional health into old age is possible. Uh, And the earlier you start, the stronger the protective effect will be. If people want more information, we have tons available on our website, womensbrainhealth.org. And we have all kinds of uh, programs and uh, initiatives that we uh, support to make sure that the public is aware of what they can do while we're funding the research to find answers for ourselves, for our daughters, for our granddaughters, Um, and for all the women in our lives. Now, is there information on your website or the Women's Brain Health Initiative website that will help people um, go forward with all this wonderful advice that we're giving them today? Yes, we've got lots of information. And we also have uh, a biannual publication called Mind Over Matter. It's available free of charge uh, for, you know, while quantities last. If people send us uh, an email to uh, mom, M-O-M, short for Mind Over Matter, mom at womensbrainhealth.org with their mailing address. We're happy to send them out. It's filled with all kinds of great, uh, easy to understand information about what the latest science is to help people understand what they can do for themselves and their loved ones to protect their brain health. Well, we will definitely put a link to that on the show website so people can always go back and get that. I would love to sit and talk with you for hours and hours. 
I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful, and we're so glad to have you on the show today. Um, I really appreciate your taking the time out of your very busy day to do that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Bobby. Boy, I definitely had some takeaways from uh, what Lynn had to share with us today. You know, 40% of cases of Alzheimer's can be avoided by lifestyle changes. That's absolutely amazing. Um, And, you know, sometimes we think of what we have to give up in order to be healthy. Well, good news for coffee drinkers. You can have three cups of caffeinated coffee a day for women. That That's good news. Um, and it's always good to, re, to be reminded of the overall health benefit of exercise. I didn't really think of it as creating new brain pathways. I just know that it always makes me feel better. Um, for, you know, for years I was a runner after damaging some discs. I don't do that anymore. But I spend at least 30 to 45 minutes a day on the treadmill. And ladies, we can have a glass of red wine too. So that's all good news. So we appreciate the education and the, and the information that we received from Lynn today. And you can find out more about Lynn in the Women's Brain Health Initiative on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go on iTunes and post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.